By staying home, you can not only protect your health and that of those around you, but ensure that our healthcare professionals and our healthcare systems can focus on those who need their help. Hello and welcome to Corona Movie Club, my entertainment world's answer to social isolation. Um, so we have a schedule of movies and we're all going to watch them independently in our own socially isolated homes and then three times a week we're going to get together over the internet and talk about them just like your mom's old book club used to do. Um, except now there's nothing old about it because it's all over the internet and we're all social isolating so that we don't help spread the coronavirus around the universe. Um, so we have people from all over North America who are participating and there's going to be different people on each call from the uh, core group. And so every episode, I'm going to come in and introduce the film that we're going to be watching, as well as the names of the people that are going to be on that week's call or that episode's call, because we're going to be doing this three times a week. Um, so I hope you guys enjoy. Let's go to the movies. It's something to do. Our next movie is Circle of Books, which is a 2019 documentary. Um, and the only thing you really need to know going into this documentary is that it was directed by a woman named Rachel Mason. And it's actually about her parents, uh, Karen and Barry Mason. Um, yeah, it's just about a bookstore and porn shop in West Hollywood. And it sort of takes you through a really interesting period of history in terms of um, like gay rights and gay health and all sorts of interesting things from a sort of oddly insider outsider perspective. Um, it's just a lovely little movie. So I hope you enjoy our discussion. I almost put us on YouTube. That wouldn't have been good. <laughs> um, circus of books. Yeah. What do you think? I enjoyed it. Um, my main, so my main interesting thing to say about it is that, because I try to prepare an interesting thing, um, is that I think, I don't know that I've ever before watched a documentary where the documentarian had that relationship to the subject, True. right? Like the main thing is about her parents and she's sort of like, not objective, but outside of the story for most of it. But then when it takes not the first hilarious turn, but the turn with instead looking at her brothers coming out, uh, she gets a lot more emotionally involved. And like, obviously, documentaries are often emotionally involved with their subjects, but it's very different when it's taught when she's talking to her brother about his experience of coming out to his family, which includes her. Yeah. Like the, like the focus on her high school friends and why that should have made him feel comfortable was a, like a, a very interesting beat in a documentary. I don't think I've seen something like it before. I was, I was talking it over with my roommate and I can't, like, I don't think it was the wrong choice. I think I understand the reason that they, the focus on her brother's coming out story makes perfect sense because it was surprising in a lot of ways. Um, but it did a really weird thing to her positionality. Yeah, I completely agree. And I usually hate that. Like, I feel like I've seen um, not necessarily ones where she's so involved or affected by the story, but ones yeah. where people are like quite close. Yeah. Um, one of the ones we watched earlier this year, the Merrily We Roll Along documentary, 
Mm. had that where it was like one of the stars of the show made a documentary about how important the show he was in was and I was so annoyed by that um because I just I really am someone who's like a bit of a stickler in documentaries for a bit of like not even a bit of I want some objectivity I want you to like be it's Mm -hmm. almost like a journalistic eye as opposed to like filmy like an artsy film eye yeah yeah Um, in my documentary, like, I really want you to blend those two worlds. In this particular case, I didn't mind as much just because, like, the angle with her brother added something to it, whereas, like, I, I really liked this documentary, but I do think that without that personal angle um, and without the brother, it it would have felt a little bit too, like, oh, isn't it funny that this, like, old Jewish couple runs this, and, and like, the what, it would have yeah, been the totally. same joke, basically, the whole time, mm-hmm. and you would have missed what I think is the most interesting element of the documentary, which is the idea of this mom who reacted wrong, yeah, and, and then went on this journey to yeah. be better and improve, and, like, I think that's, like, I found that incredibly moving. We didn't really see much about the journey. We saw the start point yeah. and the end point. Got a little no, montaged, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and it, but it's interesting because then after sort of feeling that about the end and the, the way it changed our positionality, it really sort of threw into relief things that were happening earlier in the movie. Like, every time her mother's like, I don't know why you care about this. Yeah. Like those moments that were kind of strange all of a sudden made sense later on. Like, because they, they were sort of bringing her into the story um, as part of the subject in a, in a weird way. I also think it worked. Um, it had a little of that sort of like news information gathering y journalistic aspect at the beginning because it wasn't something that she grew up knowing about. Sure. So a lot of it was discovery for her. A lot of it what did involve those, those sort of like journalistic techniques to figure out what was going on. So we did get um, a taste of that in the first half, even though she was sort of involved all along. Yeah, um, I also think that for someone who factors into her own story, she did a good job of understanding that it wasn't about her. Yes, I agree. Um, which is something that I find irritating is often it's like it's they treat it as therapy basically. Yeah. Yeah. I'm making an art project to make myself (laughs) feel better. Um, You know, like every bad solo fringe show that's just like, (laughs) let me get out my feelings in front of all these people who will just be my, you know, puppets. Um, Which is funny because occasionally her mother said things that made it sound like that's what she thought was going on. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Like her mom... But I feel like all of that stuff, like all of the, like, I don't know why you're doing this. This isn't going to amount to anything. It was like, the same tone she took with the archivist. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she did have the same tone with the archivist. Well, part of that is too, like, her, her the mom was fascinating. Like, the separation in her mom's mind between her business and everything else. Yeah. Like, business was just business, and it was not even remotely interesting to her it was just business and so she didn't have any understanding of like how her business fit into history or into her life like it just was a store it could they could have been selling toilet paper yeah um which was an interesting psychological thing and then I think that like this there's almost like this underlying story that I'm so happy the documentarian never made explicit 
that's like her mom's journey to accept her as an, a legit artist and not a hobbyist totally. mirrors her like accepting of the brother and her accepting of her business and her accepting of like all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But it's just a silent subplot that never, no one ever says it. If someone had said it, I would have been annoyed by it. Because, like, oh yeah, not everything's a metaphor. Yeah. But the fact that it was there was this really interesting evolution that it was also deeply relatable. The idea of like, why are you doing this? Yeah. Yeah. The other thing about the other weird thing about the mother uh, in the beginning. Oh, I've just blanked. Oh, it was so good. Oh, I had such a good thing to say and I've just forgotten. Oh no, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. Uh, it'll, it'll come back. Oh, I know. The, the other thing was, it was surprising to me how strong that separation between work and everything else was based on her earlier journalism career because it's sort of her it wasn't an obscenity charge but some of like some of the early stories they were looking at there might have even been an obscenity charge that she because she was covering the crime beat um i had assumed from that beginning that part of the reason they were in the business was a sympathetic one yeah she seemed a little bit progressive in the, yeah. in her reporting career, but then yeah. it kind of, the more you get to know her, the more you sort of almost, I mean, I took it as like, she didn't just report, she didn't report on things because she thought they were important. She reported on the assignments that she, that came across her desk. They were she happened to have ones that were important. Yeah. Um, like she was sort of a little bit of, a little bit forced Gumpy in the sense that he's like at all these big important things. And he's just like, I mean, Sure. I'm not like, he doesn't know anything's important. It's just happening around (laughs) him. Totally. Um, She just, the idea of owning this store that mattered so much to so many people. And she just like completely didn't understand that any of it was important. Yeah. It's so fascinating to me. Um, And I do, I also like, I wish we'd gotten a little bit more of that hard work that she put in at the end, Mm -hmm. because that's like a story I personally really love um like obviously the dad is really lovely and his mm-hmm. thing about the the parents who don't show up for their kids who have aids was heartbreaking yeah. oh. because he was just like it doesn't matter they're your kid and yeah. I loved that and he gets all the credit in the world for being a really wonderful person who didn't blink twice at his son being gay yeah. but I think there's so much to be said for somebody who genuinely does have a problem it comes mm-hmm. from like you know they're misinformed they come from a religious background whatever and work puts in the work to be better as opposed to someone who is just like naturally gifted with the empathy necessary to be on the right side of things. Someone who has to journey to be on the right side of things. I just think it's so much more impressive. Well, Um, it's the story we need to hear because people need to go on that journey. And so they need to know that the journey is possible. Exactly. I think as a society, the number one thing we do wrong is we make it impossible for people to turn back if they're on the wrong road. And I think any story of somebody like teaching themselves that like to do better is important. Um, And it's just, yeah, I wish we'd gotten more of that because in the end, the documentary, just like the other Ryan Murphy produced documentary we did a few weeks ago, (laughs) Secret Love, um, ended up being about what it was not purported to be about. Like it was about something else adjacent to the thing that it sort of, this one was more actually about the bookstore than the secret love was actually about their secret love. But um, it, it had that sort of extra personal mm-hmm. tag on the end that was a little bit different than what was advertised, but I would have enjoyed more of that in this case. Whereas I would have liked 
less of it maybe in the other one? I don't remember. I think in defense of the filmmaker, it's probably that she doesn't have the footage. Probably. Yeah. Right, right. There's a lot of footage at the end and it's very easy to visualize and picture the moment without seeing it. But from hearing like her take and his take, we have no problem as an audience figuring out that scene because we know that scene. But the, the coming scene, out scene? Yeah, the coming out scene. Yeah. We don't, you don't need to see that. We know what it is. But it's the journey in between, the part that we're missing, they're also missing and I can't just, like they said, like, I joined Pete Flag. <laughs> like, yeah, that's um, true. That That's like, while we do actually witness... Mm-hmm. the the sort of journey of the mother the unspoken journey of the mother accepting her daughter's filmmaking we because that happens on screen all of the footage we do have is like shot contemporarily so we don't have mm-hmm. I don't think there was like very little archival footage even it was all there, sort of there was that one I mean there was the, the home movies the weird home movie, movie at the very beginning where I was like what it what it what are we watching <laughs> oh we haven't even talked about that yet but the the one movie of them at dinner with the like sad in the closet son. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just keep reusing the same like dejected home movie. Like that one, <laughs> that one, that, that one shot does a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you're right. Like it is probably she just couldn't make that story happen, so she had to kind of montage it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but that was what I found the most interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, in the, I also was wondered there was the part where they were starting to get in legal trouble, and she's like, and we talked about it, and we decided that we we found out that one of us would have to go to jail, so we decided it would be him. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. what was that conversation like? He was like, oh sure. <laughs> he probably was though. Like I feel yeah. like that's his whole vibe. It's just like okay. <laughs> My favorite thing, my favorite thing that he did in the movie, other than solving dialysis, um, was when his son came out and his talking to him was about, you've got to be like, just because you're not a woman doesn't mean you shouldn't be nervous about men. Yeah. Men men can hurt men as much as they can hurt women. Yeah. Yeah. Or actually, now that I, now that I think about who that man is as a man, he was probably telling him, you have to be worried about hurting people men just as much as you have to be worried about hurting women oh see i interpreted it the other way i interpreted it the other way and then i thought about what that guy worries about um and either way you know what i don't know i don't know i don't know either way it's very interesting because it's like projecting a little bit who he thinks his son is yeah and i also think that like that lesson of don't hurt people is like such a like parent of a son thing regardless of your son's sexuality it's just such a like like I'm I'm now approaching the age where I'm I a lot of my friends are having that conversation of like do I want sons or daughters like what's you know I'm thinking about having kids kind of thing and almost all of my male friends have said to me that they want daughters and I want sons so I'm kind of like I'm fascinated by this and we've had this conversation this like tension of they are and they keep arguing like I don't know how like they're, they're intimidated by the task of teaching a boy how to be a good person within the cultural structure yeah and whereas I'm coming from the point of view of like I'm confident in my ability to teach a boy how to be a good man but I'm not comfortable with the fact that no matter what I teach my daughter I can't keep her safe yeah and like there's that fundamental thing so like the idea of 
being a father of a son and that is your go-to piece of advice. Yeah. To me, I assumed that it was coming, it was the other way around, that it was like, don't get hurt. Because the advice would be the same even when he thought his son was straight in terms of hurting others. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Unless you're questioning a man's ability to be hurt. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, it was, it was one of the, the most interesting moments in, in, a, in a piece for me. Yeah, for sure. That was very interesting. And especially from the dad who like ostensibly was the simple character because yeah. the mom is so complicated and we tend to fall into that idea of like, well, if you've got one really complicated character, you've got their sort of simple foil. Yeah. Um, so it was nice for him to have a moment that was a little bit more complicated than just, he's the nice guy. Look at all the empathy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, weirdest okay. appearance of Bill Clinton in a movie. When was Bill Clinton in this? That's how their legal troubles ended. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, he was it's like, was like a it, that was a great moment of movie making. That was very confusing. So hard. (laughs) But it was like they were talking about Reagan and then they were talking about um, Clinton. And I was like, you know, that one didn't come right after the other. What happened in between? (laughs) I guess just Reagan's policies just sustained through Bush, I guess. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it was it was funny. The idea of like and then Clinton Clinton was elected. (laughs) So everything was fine. Weird sex stuff was fine. It was, yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a funny beat. Um, the other funny beat was the turn when they started producing pornography, which I did not know at the beginning of the movie and did feel like it came not out of left field, but it came, it was, it was a surprise. I will say that section of the movie I didn't, and I don't think it would have been necessarily a better movie if they had done a better job with this, but I like still am a little fuzzy on the details of how they were producing pornography without having seen any of it or knowing anyone who was involved or like having nothing to do with it whatsoever. Yeah. I was a little bit like, I don't how a lot of the logistics of the business, like exactly how they got the business, like how they got started distributing Hustler and like, like they were like, we're looking for small town distributors. So we became small time distributors. And I was like, okay, but I think maybe we're making assumptions about the audience's knowledge about what a distributor does. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So a lot of like from the distributor to then buying the store and like logistics of that happened. And then I would have been really interested in surely it wasn't a super easy transition for them to learn the like the basics of like, you can't just sell sex products and porn without knowing anything about it. Well, I think they just, this was the other thing that is not of a piece with the rest of it, is that they just sort of like somehow tricked the old owner out of it. Like, remember the point where he says, yeah, he threatened to kill me? Yeah. (laughs) So like, it feels like they just replaced the owner, but they clearly kept the rest of the staff and the rest of the infrastructure. Yeah. Uh, so they, so they did, they need to learn a little bit, but they probably had like a manager and a, and a, and a merchandiser or something like, you know what I mean? Like they, they had, must have had somebody because like also in the, how long did they have it? 30 years in the 30 years of them owning this store. Yeah. 
sex toys and products and things have not so much the porn, but like this, the stuff yeah. has evolved. So well, we see that she goes to trade shows. We see her at the trade show, right? Yes, but she looks at the wall and says, this wall of stuff does well. But what happened? How did they offer new products if they never learned anything? They had to have learned some basics of, like, the sex world. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to be honest. There's probably an industry magazine, right? Like, Probably, yeah. But, like, then they would have had to read it. Or maybe the husband read it, and we just saw the wife, and that's why it was, con- like, I, yeah. it was definitely, I was I was expecting, especially because so much of the movie was this, like, single beat of, isn't this funny that yeah. this couple owns this store? Yeah. I was expecting a little bit more of that sort of fish out of water, like, yeah. how do they own this store? But it did, you're right, it seemed a little bit like, he went, well, I understood that. He he went to the landlord and yeah. offer, and was like, this guy's not paying his rent. I'll offer to pay half if you just, like, steal it from him, which was weird. And felt yeah. kind of out of character, maybe? Yeah, yeah. Out of the character that we were shown in the rest of the movie. Exactly. That's true, too. We might not have gotten a full picture of Mr. Nice Guy. Um but I would have, I would have enjoyed, um, certainly if this was scripted, that we would have gotten like a whole funny montage of yeah. them learning the business and having to like, and especially the mom who had this ability to sort of compartmentalize things and the idea of her saying things like she's like, and these are called cock rings and, <laughs> and everything was just very yeah. matter of fact and removed in her brain from the app. But so, like, I just think that all that stuff is very funny and would have been kind of interesting to at least get a confessional about. Yeah, yeah, because again, it would have been a footage problem. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think that probably came down to she asked her mom and her mom wouldn't talk about it. Um, that because, seems very likely based on what we saw. <laughs> yeah. Um, next question. Do you, are you a drag race person? Do you know who Alaska is? I am and I do. Okay. I, I saw Alaska in the commercial and I didn't realize Alaska was an employee. Okay. Because that's the, that interview is the, um, like the screen grab on Netflix. So it's been in my queue for months and I, I go buy it. And I always thought that was like who it was about. Yeah. Um, I assumed like that was the owner or something. And then it was just that like, it's the most famous person associated with the store. <laughs> most famous former employee. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I fully don't drag, I don't do drag race at all. Is there anything I'm supposed to know about this person? Like I Googled a little bit to know that they're famous, but. Yeah, they're, they're famous. They won all one, one of the seasons of all stars. I'm not that big a drag race fan. Cause I don't remember which season of all stars, not the most recent one and not the first one. Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. You got, I, I feel like you got an impression of Alaska from this film that is not inconsistent with the impression that you got from watching the show. Like it was a little, it was a lot less performative than drag races. Um, but you got the sense that it was the same person. Yeah. I thought it was kind of interesting that like they didn't emphasize, they didn't like, they never mentioned RuPaul or anything like that. Like just mm-hmm. in the Chiron, it said like drag performer or something like that. And so that was, that was what made me Google it, because it was like, yeah. I didn't, you wouldn't mention that, like, that's not worth noting about a bookstore employee, unless 
they are famous for that, yes. in which case yeah. that means they're on Drag Race. Um, I think it's interesting that was sort of like a hook they used to help sell this documentary. Yeah. Um, which I also found any time a documentary is about like something shutting down or the end of something, yeah. I always get a little sad because I'm just like, if you just released the documentary earlier, yeah, fine. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do think, actually, here's an important fact. Alaska would already have been drag race famous when the footage was shot and when the movie came out, was made based on when they were on the, their first season in Drag Race. Right. But they didn't come out publicly and be like, hey, support this bookstore that gave me a lot of opportunities. Not that I heard about it. They wouldn't have done it on the show. And again, I'm not, I'm not like, I'm not like all over socials or anything. So yeah. it's possible. That's the only thing. Like, I just, I mean, I like commercial business is just over. Like, mm-hmm. um, like brick and mortar stores are over and uh, particularly not- in the porn industry. Like, and, and I got the sense that she was like, like sad that her employees weren't sad to lay people off, like sad about the relationships and the people, but not sad to be leaving. Yeah. Back. It wasn't like her passion project she wanted to fight for. That's true yeah. too. Um, yeah. So yeah, it wasn't like the, the sort of classic, shutting of the community bookstore where the community like the person who owns it cares about it as much as the community there was a gulf between what it meant to people and the people offering the service yeah what it meant to them Mm -hmm. um, which is always tricky (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was not a you've got mail scenario no it was not um which i guess makes it better it is still so like anytime there's like a community hub that was important to people. It's just so mm-hmm. like, but why is it not there anymore? <laughs> just because people don't want to pay for porn. And because there's grinders, so they don't need the community aspect. That I thought that was an interesting part to highlight, which they did talk about. Yes. The thing about and the thing about the guy with the walker, like their their clientele, yeah. just like the young people never came. Yeah. Like they just they're association with being gay was so much less location based Mm -hmm. than it used to be yeah um is yeah that was really interesting um the legal changes too it's not just the internet like it's not as necessary as (laughs) as a community hub for for some good reasons yeah yeah exactly like they don't have to have safe spaces as much i mean obviously they still do because you know progress is slow and terrible but it's one of those situations, especially like gay rights is one of those ones where like progress is slower than it should be, but yeah. also the progress that's been made is amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was, that was interesting. The idea of like their clientele was dying because it, well, I mean that, that was also the interesting, like the idea <laughs> of weathering through an era where literally like, I don't know what the percentage was, but the percentage was massive of their clientele and their employees just died off in a plague that hit a hyper-specific community that was their entire demographic. Yeah. And like the, the story about the, like the one of their employees going home from work on Friday and dying before their Monday shift started, like that's, oh, oh. I mean, that's also such a, like, my brain goes to like, uh, you don't, 
my, at least my understanding of AIDS is that like, it's more of a slow progression downwards. It's not like a sudden dark turn thing. Mm-hmm. So my brain is going to this poor minimum wage employee was working when unbelievably sick and dragging themselves in. Yeah. And like, oh, why? We need so much. We just, let's just fix everything. Yeah. Yeah. Early um, capitalism. Pardon me? At least capitalism. Just yeah. like let's just fix well capitalism and then just like um LBGT rights stuff. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um and like religion. Uh, yeah, like let's fix a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But one thing I did um to go back to something that's like a little bit more frivolous, I did enjoy to go back to the idea of the filmmaker putting herself in the story mm-hmm. the thing about her friends I found fascinating because like any examination of like that group of people and the way they self-identified and they're, like they're like the weirdos and the outcasts and like how for someone who is other for whatever reason mm-hmm. but doesn't fit in with that crowd because they're kind of a fairly conventional vanilla person yeah. But like the idea that because you're gay, you have to somehow be edgy or yeah. promiscuous or like in this sort of like revolutionary spirit with all of the like weirdo kid arts kids, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, um in the normal heart, right? The guy there's the guy talking about like he's he's arguing, I mean it's Larry Kramer's character he's arguing against promiscuity and all his friends are like, but we fought so hard for this. He's like, yeah, but like, you can, everyone's dying. And if we just have like one partner and just like live conventional lives a little bit, like we'll be safer. And he didn't, he wasn't a character who needed that because he was kind of vanilla. Like he just wasn't. Yeah. And the idea of like, if you're other somehow, that means you have to live that sort of, you know, postmodern outsider lifestyle. You need to be other in a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. I just found that really interesting. Um, As someone who's like a little bit like one of the weird kids, but I like didn't like the weird kids that much because I'm not actually that, my taste and stuff isn't weird. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just like that, that group in high school who were the accepting progressive people, but just not them just being a little much. I thought that was interesting yeah. and how hurt she was at the idea that he didn't consider her a safe place mm-hmm. and yeah I thought all that was very interesting so I didn't begrudge her telling the personal story even though it's something I normally hate yeah um do you have anything else you wanted to say about this movie um no it was good Thank you for programming it. Hey, <laughs> okay. I, I, I had to see it, and I but I would probably not have gotten around to it if it hadn't been. Yeah, it's been on. in my list for ages, and I my my new strategy with um, the Netflix queue is to just put it on the movie club list. This is the only way I'm going to get to it. Um, but also, we had a bunch of movies because we were programming like classic movies that we had just missed for whatever reason, and they kept disappearing from Netflix. Um, and so then my new strategy was to just program Netflix originals that Netflix had the rights <laughs> to and had released and it wasn't like a leasing agreement. Yeah. Um, so now we're doing all of the Netflix originals. Um, a lot of which are bad though. So eventually people are going to start revolting and be like, Kelly, I can't watch another P- uh, to all the boys I've loved before sequel. <laughs> like, yes, you can. 
I mean, I watched the first one and that I feel like I did a good job of that. I enjoyed it, but (laughs) the sequel is perfectly fine. Um, (laughs) But yeah, there's like, there's at least two like teen dance movies on the list. I would watch a teen dance movie for sure. Yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be fun. Um, But yeah, we, we, gone are the days of the Godfather. Uh, (laughs) So I missed, I rely on Netflix. (laughs) me, sorry. I missed Citizen Kane for the last time. I missed Lawrence Arabia for the, no, Lawrence Arabia. Lawrence Arabia is still on there. It is. I promised promised Vargo that we would do it eventually because he has like a family member who's in it or something. Oh. Oh. Um, But it's so long. I'm not looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, no, all of the, you missed Citizen Kane for the last time. Pulp Fiction, our recording got messed up. So we were, we talked about it, but it's gone forever. Oh, um, that's probably, it's probably, it's probably just as well. It's my problematic fave. <laughs> I probably said something I don't want on the internet. <laughs> Ooh, I don't remember what we said. All I remember is that Alex went and got a, a Big Mac or whatever it is. The, the Royale with cheese. Yeah. Um, Okay. All right, I think that's probably it for Circus of Books. This one was really good. I really liked it, and I think everyone should go watch it. Yeah, One of my favorites so far. Definitely. Okay. See you later, Susan. See ya.